Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Damel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Maurice Creek, former guard for the Indiana Hoosiers, subscribe, so you should as well. Maurice Creek, very talented individual. Injury bug got him, though. Plagued him throughout his entire career. Uh but yeah, Maurice Creek, that's a little throwback for you guys. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. So you guys actually, Taylor might be wondering this. Why am I standing? Well, I completely threw out my back yesterday. It feels like. So I think if I just sit for an extended period of time, my back's just completely fucked. So I'm over here. Like, I mean, this is 30. This is the epitome of what 30 years old is. I literally woke up and my back was out. So you have a bad back. I have a broken foot. Uh, Shark. Any physical ailments we need to know about? No, I don't know why we're leaning with this. I've always said you got to play hurt. So just we are we are, pl- we are yeah. playing hurt. Yeah, but you got to play hurt without talk about being talking about being hurt. You know what I mean? Well, are you calling us like? Are we pulling a Coach K right now? No. Like just, <laughs> just falling, play hurt, falling on the ground. Okay, it doesn't, I think it doesn't it, matter what it is. The listeners I, don't need to know if you're going to put in a poor performance. Play hurt. I mean, right, I let feel, them. This well, the could be like. Yeah, this could be like Subi's flu game right here. 
Yeah, well, Jordan wasn't telling people that he had the flu. He just went oh no, he, he didn't. He didn't play it up at all while he was out there or no. anything. I'm just, no, okay, no, got it. Sure, because okay. he was most likely hungover. But I'd, <laughs> I'd say I'm more like Willis Reed right now, coming out of the tunnel. I I can't walk, but here I am, entertaining entertaining the masses with with you two jagaloons. But yeah, you're you're really entertaining them with the, this intro that you just fired out right here. I, I'm kind of oh. surprised. I'm kind of surprised. Sorry, boys. Uh, it's going to be a rough one here today. I'm kind of surprised the Celtics fan didn't get wheelchaired in because of his bad back, a lot of Paul Pierce's fake injury. When that's, we can, that's that's a whole that that's a whole different situation. I've still never understood though, coming from the Heat fan, how Dwayne Wade like separates his shoulder and he needs to be in a in a wheelchair. What's the medical justification behind that? The pain just took over his whole body. Is what I would imagine. It's ridiculous. How'd you break your foot, by the way? Um, I'd like to say it was a super cool hike or like physical activity I was doing, but I was uh, loading a suitcase into a car and I stepped uh, the wrong way off of a curb and folded my foot over. And uh, I have a Jones fracture, actually. So it actually makes me feel more. It's the most athletic I've ever felt in my whole life because it's a very common injury for basketball players is a Jones fracture, the fracture of your outside of your foot. Six to 12 week recovery. Um, gonna, unless, you're like, unless you're like Joel Embiid and it takes a year. I'm going to give you a free tip on when you're talking about cool ways to injure your foot. I wouldn't lead with a hike. You know, maybe you got in a fight, you broke something up or. Um, you know, just come up with something else right there. Just a freak tip. Completely well, disagree. Saying, Hikes I'm just are, saying it's, are very good. Yeah, and it's anything is cooler than I was loading a suitcase into the back of a car. So, Did you, are you you guys really want to walk into this? You want to walk into hikes being a legitimate way to injure your foot? Yeah. Yes. Well, I do, yes. I, none of you have ever hiked the way I hiked. All right. Don, none I of you grew up in. I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska. My whole world is a hike. Oh, raise your hand. Walking. Raise your hand here if you've hiked the Grand Canyon, because because your boy did. Raise your hand if you oh. go on a sixteen mile hump in the middle of the night at zero three, carrying a hundred pound weight. Okay, then you can come into my territory over here. Do not come in with a broken list, Frank. Whatever the hell you just said. Just say you got in a fight. That's a much cooler rationale. A little hike through the Grand Canyon, whatever this thing Soup did. I it doesn't even compare and get on the level that I've done. I mean. It was hot and it was rainy. I ex- I experienced that. Oh, it's one. hot. Oh, it's hot. Oh, that's, that's that's tough. I pray for you. Thank you. Get how did I, and how would I have broken my my foot in a fight? Did I kick the guy? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's just that's a less, whole. That's less cool. That's actually. a whole different rabbit hole that you're going to go down into because if you said hike, you know, we're just going to press you're, them. You're an Arizona guy. All Arizona people like UFC. If you're from the west West Coast, you're a UFC guy. I mean, it's pretty. It's written all over you. You're probably into that. You probably square up, and get <laughs> flying kicks on people outside of nightclubs. I think I don't think there's a person that cares less about the UFC than Taylor Dammel. I think well, unless it's, it's, unless it's I, you I guys, don't, I don't give a shit about UFC. But I would actually go the heat route. I think people in Arizona, a, a reason for fighting and just getting angry and their behavior in general can be attributed to triple du- triple digit weather here in September. So. I would go that route as as to why, you know, justifying why why there was any sort of fight. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like all of us are, are, well, except for the shark, Taylor and I over here powering through. We are finally at the top ten here, fellas. So we got <clears throat> ten through six here, and then we'll wrap it up, wrap up the month of September with obviously five through one, and then we get into our regular scheduled programming. 
college basketball will be back. John Rothstein tweeting about it. There's been a lot of uh, discussions about potential bubble scenarios, teams playing in different tournaments. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds here over the course of the month. But we will dive right in now. Number 10 on our uh, college manifesto list out of the Big East, it's the Villanova Wildcats with three national titles, six Final Fours, 13 conference titles, 14 Elite Eights, 18 Sweet Sixteens, and 39 NCAA tournament appearances for the Wildcats. Here are a few of my thoughts on them. They've been clearly the most recent example of the gold standard in college basketball. Nobody has been better than Villanova over the past five, seven years. Uh, They were great even before then, but they never actually were able to get to the pinnacle, which of course they did in 2016 with that insane Chris Jenkins shot, which still some reason I, I feel like in the annals of great shots, great plays in sports history, not just college basketball history. Uh, that still somehow gets overlooked. The guy hit a buzzer beater to win a national title. Uh, Jay Wright, what's interesting about him is he kind of du- he doubled down and won two titles. So when you look at, there's always sports figures that, uh, you know, they, they have the monkey on their back and they only end up getting one title right now. He's still going, but you think of Andy Reed most recently, um, there's there's other there's other individuals out there like that as well, but you think about Jay Wright and one would have been enough. It would have been you know perfect for him. He got two in a matter of three years, so I think that's really interesting as well. They're stacked next year. They very well could win a third, uh, and their recent pro players are sticking in the league as well. You know, you think about guy like the, you think about guys like Ryan Archie Diacono, Dante Divincenzo. I mean. This just actually now gave me an idea. It's like the Goodfellas scene where he goes into the restaurant and it's all these different like nicknames. But I, now I just picture it with Jay Wright entering a, a bar and it's, you know, this, this is Massimino. This is Archie Diacono. This is DiVincenzo. So, Mike Nardi. Mike Nardi. <laughs> yeah, forgot about him too. But those are just a few of my thoughts there on the Villanova Wildcats. Clearly the uh, highest standard of basketball and success recently right now. Shark, I'll kick it to you. They are uh, the top, the point you just made right there is what I was going to lead with. I mean, they're the best team in college basketball over the past call it five years. And there's no, really no reason to suspect them to be slowing down at this stage either, because they're in the big East. Uh, they're, they're clearly the best team in the big East. They are <clears throat> at least in the top year in and year out. And that's a pretty damn good conference at this point as well. So they're going to be doing this for a long time to have three titles. There's not a lot of other schools that have three titles. Um, we're looking at the, the only other ones that have three titles are all above Villanova in the rankings. And just to get into our psyche for these rankings, the next, the top 10 that we're about to unveil, we all agree. This was a unanimous selection amongst every single ranking in the top 10 Villanova comes in at 10 because it's been relatively top heavy. It's been recent, but they're clearly trending in the right direction and they could be knocking off a few of these teams in front of us. The guard production that they've had in the NBA, Subi, you hit the nail on the head of getting kind of first began when they had that run of uh, Alan Ray, Mike Nardi, and Randy Foy. Um, and then from there, it kind of just continued to grow. Um, obviously I, they I forgot that. about Kyle Lowry also, by the way. Sorry. Kyle Lowry, yeah, still still plugging along, that little pit bull. He's still, that guy, like, I mean, you led with the Celtics early on. He's infuriating to play against, just very tough. Um, but, I mean, Nova – I'm sure Taylor would get into this because he's kind of the historian here, but having won in 1985 when 
they were an eight seed to go on. They were 10 point dog against Georgetown in the final to go on and win that. You don't see that type of stuff anymore. And then to throw on top of the resume that their best team in college basketball program wise over the past five years, they're pretty dangerous. Second best private school on our list. Um, no reason to think they're going to be slowing down either. Yeah, your assumption was exactly correct. As I was going to reference the perfect game there, as it's called, where they shot uh, 78% from the field, 78.6% in the field to beat Georgetown. And funny enough about that game, I think now, if you look at our rankings, that game is probably what separates where Nova and Georgetown are ranked on our list, especially with the last two championships that they, uh, Villanova has won. And what I mean by that is that without those last two championships, Villanova's probably ranked where Georgetown is ranked in our rankings. They've probably moved up more over the last five years than anybody else. Um, that is maybe the team that we'll talk about next. Um, but Jay Wright is what? The top three coach in college basketball? Top five? Is he outside of the top I'll three? I'll go three. No, three's, three's who, are you, who are you putting above him? Like right now, I know Coach... Like, are you going to list the historically great ones or like no, you want it? No, want like, it, like currently in college basketball, if Coach K, obviously. Um, I don't and, know if that's obvious anymore. Like, Co- Izzo, I mean, Izzo's got an argument, but Jay Wright is closed more than Izzo has, funny enough. Uh, yeah. Coach K I'd is. Uh, Calipari you know, might be, maybe Calipari. And, and, Wright, and Wright has closed more yeah. than, than Calipari, too. You know, Bill Self uh, has an argument, but. I don't think that uh, any argue, any good argument for the top three coaches or even best coach in college basketball, if it doesn't uh, include Jay Wright, at least in the argument, then it's probably not a, a good argument. Uh, what I like about Villanova and how Jay Wright has built his program as currently, and it's kind of how they've always done it, and it's kind of indicative of uh, or reflective, I should say, of how a lot of the Big East goes about their recruiting is you don't see these guys pull in like four or five-star recruits and go win. Right. These guys are generally maybe they'll mix in a five star guy, but a lot of times like they did this last year. But a lot of times these are just like grown men, four star guys who stay for two, three, four years. And that's exactly how they built this program to be where it's at. And it's exactly probably why they won that second championship is because a lot of players had that experience from the first championship that this group won in 2016. So really, like we said, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse here. They are right now the cream of the crop in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, we also left off Jalen Brunson, who's making contributions for, for the Mavericks and then Josh Hart, Josh Hart sticking around. He's a good role player as well. So these are some of the guys that you kind of just forget were part of that well-oiled machine in, in Nova Shark. Let me ask you, do you think that they're the favorite heading into next year uh, to, to win a third national title, considering all the talent that they have and who's returned? I haven't really thought about that yet. I'm still I'm a little too hyped on Tennessee and um, what they're going to do. But So, no, I'm going to say no, they're not the favorite. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, Taylor, you had mentioned some of the players that – we're on that first team and won a second. Jalen Brunson, we said, was the best player. He's absolutely the most decorated uh, and greatest winner in Villanova basketball history, right? Two national titles. And then uh, all, all the wins that he racked up during you know, during the regular season. Fan favorite, uh, we went with Ryan Archie Diacono. I actually feel like Chris Jenkins here could, could be a, a good plug-and-play there. 
Yeah, I was gonna say sorry before we moved on that we didn't even say Mikael Bridges either. Oh, yeah, just Mikael Bridges, who just, who just balled during the bubble in the NBA as well. So yeah, sorry, just that little point that that's how, and that kind of goes to my point is they don't have these like number one pick NBA players, but all of a sudden you look and you're like, oh, these are guys that are just gonna stick in the league forever. Well, it's just crazy the development that these players have gone through, right? So Mikael Bridges from where he, he was when he first got to campus to, the, I think, the 10th overall pick. Jalen Brunson even getting drafted. Dante DiVincenzo, who made himself quite a bit of money during the Final Four. Uh, I think he won MOP. So uh, it is it is cr- kind of crazy to just rattle off some of, these, some of these names and how they are just sticking around. So Nova coming in at number 10. Let's uh, stick around in the Big East. At number nine, it's the UConn Huskies. Four national titles, five Final Fours, 34 conference titles, 11 Elite Eights, and 18 Sweet Sixteens, followed by 33 NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, Instead of us discussing UConn, we will actually provide you this interview that we conducted with a UConn superfan and uh, Titch listener since day one, Andrew Moynihan. Uh, So let's go ahead and cut to that. All right, we want to remind you that this interview can be heard on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network, and it is our honor to welcome to the program longtime Titch listener, good friend, and perhaps most importantly, UConn alum, Andrew Moynihan. Moyn, welcome to Titch. Your first appearance. How are you, man? Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be here. First time, long time, as they say. So you had a special request, and we can honor that. A moment of silence for Stanley Robinson and Cliff, or if, and Cliff Robinson, right? Correct. Yeah, it's been a tough year for us. Uh, you know, two two of our own go down. So, you know, let's give let's give it a quick five. Thank you. I tried to be like a PA announcer just then, but yeah, yeah, no, no, that was good. It was a brutal, brutal week, especially for the basketball community. Uh, so we just unveiled UConn on our top 10 one. Okay. Where do you think they rank in that top 10? I mean, for me, looking, you know, I, I, I know how highly you guys value your national championship wins. And I think sitting at four, which I believe is sixth all time, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I, I know we don't have the history. We don't have the long time, you know, the UCLA, the Kentucky back to the fifties, but I put us at, at seven, maybe eight. It's not a bad guess. You were at 10. Or excuse me. No, I think you were shit. We had you at nine. We had you at nine. You kidding me, father? Act like a (laughs) professional. I mean, did you just do this? Yeah. Aside from just like screwing up the actual number that he was at, I'm noticing, are you wearing the same shirt that you were wearing yesterday when we recorded the first half of this podcast? Yeah, I mean, mix it up, man. Yeah, I will. Well, no, you won't. You literally are wearing. Yeah, it's two days, two days out of the week. Two straight. I mean, I'm good with a buffered day, but like you're going on forty tonight. You're going on forty-eight hours in the same shirt. You can't get the Yukon shirt things right. You got a bad back. You're hurting from the weekend. Get your stuff together. Yes. Well, I do have a bad back, but I mean, I've been—I wore something different during the day. This was my post-work shirt. It also say just that. says. I saw it yesterday. The shirt literally just says Massachusetts. It says nothing else. It's not a sport. It's not a team shirt. It's just the name of a state. I mean, it's a it good shirt. Be, it could it's be UMass. Fun. It looks maroon. It's not UMass. 
All right. So. It does. It does play there. But yeah, uh, we got you ranked at, at number nine, seven or eight. That's a good, good guess there as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you already, you already did the top 10 or the, you know, five through 10. So enlighten me on, on who's ahead of us. So ahead of you, I have to pull that up. We have Indiana. I know that. Uh, we also have, it's pulling up right now. So Michigan you, State, and Michigan State, Michigan State, State right ahead of you. Louisville's ahead of you before that. Uh, you beat out Villanova, so I'll give you credit for that because that's going to be a big rivalry that you guys are going to be able to go head to head on over the next, you know, dec- few decades here. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, you have more titles than Michigan State, but and Louisville, sorry, yeah, uh, not not so fast on Louisville. I think Louisville is sitting on five. Ooh, no, three. Oh, no, you're right. Oh, look at that. Look at you coming in here and correcting on. me on my own show. I did a little. You homework. know what? That's good. That's good for you. You do have more than Louisville. And Louisville's got a lot of vacated as well. But you know what? I get it. I get it. You know, we did, We really didn't come to the scene until the, the early 90s when Calhoun got going. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a longevity thing. Well, so you mentioned the Blue Blood programs like UCLA, IU, Duke. Indiana, even. I mean, yeah, IU, Kansas, excuse me. Does it irk you at all that you guys aren't mentioned typically when someone says blue blood? Because I personally believe that you've earned that right to be in that rarefied, rarefied air. Does it irk you at all that no one generally puts UConn in there? Uh, it does, you know, and, and a lot of that comes, you know, the past five years uh, since the 2014 title, you know, we haven't obviously been that successful. We've been in the AAC. There's been a lot of, of turmoil, coaching changes and the like, but uh, it, it does, you know, I mean, four, four titles in the past, you know, 20, 20 some odd years, uh, not many programs can say that. And blue blood is kind of a, I don't know, it's a loose term. You know, there's some people say there's five of them. Some people say there's seven of them, but I, I, I mean, I got to say with, with the amount of success we've had in the big East over the years and, and four titles, I, I feel like we have to be in that conversation. And I know, you guys have heard me say it time and time again, but uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely irks me. I think part of what makes a, a blue blood, a blue blood, excuse me, is kind of the, uh, I want to say continued dominance that they have. And how I feel about UConn is like their tournament runs weren't like dominant teams until they got to the tournament tournament. And that's what I think in in my completely honest opinion, that's why I think UConn is the most fucking annoying team on this list. <laughs> Not only was I personally victimized multiple times during those tournament yeah. runs, but yeah, they're all are. they're like almost reverse Michigan State. You know, they don't make the tournament every year, but when they do, they like win the t- title. Whereas like Michigan State, which we'll talk about later uh, in this episode, is kind of the opposite of that. So to me, this isn't against UConn. This is actually more of a compliment than it is anything else. They're the most annoying team on this list because they're they're two really good tournaments by two guards away from being probably like eight to ten spots back on those list. But that's more to their credit than it is, you know, of, of fault of them, I guess. That's fair. You know, I, I can I can see that. And and since the 2011 run with Kemba, that's kind of been the the mo. You know, is is you know the season hasn't always been ideal, but you get to the Big East tournament and you get to the NCAA tournament, and we just don't lose, right? And I, I can see how a program like Arizona and being a fan when you guys win 30 games a year and then lose in the Elite Eight every year, I can see how that's 
frustrating, you know, and I, I, I hate to say that to the two of you, but that's just the way it is. But again, you got to look at, you got to look at pre 2011 when we were winning the big East pretty much every year, winning 30 games. And, you know, we have two titles in that span in the early two thousands. And well, I think it was 99 and 2004, but um, yeah. I mean, I mean, so I kind of look at it as yes, that's been the case, but more so recently, and you look before that, and, and we've been a dominant, dominant team in one of the best conferences in the country. Well, let me jump in here because I got a question. And as everyone knows, you can't talk about the UConn men's basketball program without talking about the broken foot of George Niang in 2014. Where do you stack that up with respect to historical UConn performances? Obviously, we're talking about dominant postseason performances, but everybody and their grandmother knows that. You're not winning at 14 if Niang doesn't break his foot and allow Shabazz Napier to waltz his way to a title. So talk to me a little bit about Niang specifically on the topic of uh, UConn here. You know, I knew you were going to bring that up. I, Thank I, you. I, I had a feeling Niang was coming into this conversation, even though I, I just hate it. I hate it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it makes a difference. I, okay. I think game Niang or no. Well, let me follow up that question with an actual question. Um, so – the, 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 the king, the, the program of just a run, carrying a guard all the way to a title. You have everyone loves Kemba. You get the Kemba aspect of it. What he did in 11 was spectacular. Compare Khalid El Amin in 98 to Shabazz in 14. Where are, do you fall out on that distinction? So Khalid is kind of a cult icon in stores. Uh, obviously, well before my time. But the guy, you know, talk talk about a grinder. Talk about a, you know, a, you know, just just a tough guy, short, you know, stout, but but put up numbers. And uh, wore that baggy shirt underneath his jersey. Probably twenty eight percent body fat, but the guy yeah, was electric when it mattered. Just, yeah, unbelievable. So I, I mean, sh- you know, talk about raw skill. You're probably looking at Shabazz, but Khalid had something that that. Uh, <laughs> that magic something that uh you know he, he's a, he's a hero down there hero Good. yeah it was, it's probably it's probably the fact that i mean he looks like levance field or levance fields look like him I, mean, I feel like that might be just a prerequisite to be a successful big east point guard similar style of play too yeah so i think you know i i hate to be the guy to be to bring this up uh but i i don't think you can really talk about uconn basketball without talking about the women's program as well because uconn's basketball team is really the only one probably in the country that is outshined by their women's basketball team at at this level at least do you think the uconn's men's team is thought of maybe not you know, going back to that blue bud conversation that maybe they're not thought of as highly simply because their women's team kind of gets all of the pub when it comes to uh, the basketball programs, at least as it's known nationwide. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not a, a terrible uh, hypothesis. I think as, as of late, you know, it's been tough, it's been tougher for the men uh, as opposed to the women and in, in switching conferences and, you know, they're dominant. I mean, Gino's one of the best to ever do it. I don't think anyone's taken that away. Um, but, you know, I think, I think overall you got to look at, at the, the total product here and, and, you know, what, what the men have been able to do over the past, the past 20 years. And, you know, the women obviously are the best, like the gr- probably the greatest, most dominant program in college history in any sport. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I just view them separately. What? So how many women's games did you go to when you were at UConn? Zero. zero <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. But I will, I, will not, I will not throw them under the bus. I won't no, do no, it. just purely wondering right there. No, yeah. I mean, they were, yeah. they, were, uh, they were having a fight for their attendance uh, when I was there, so. I mean, I'd, I'd hang my – I'd boast about their titles 100% if, if I were you. I'd boast about women's golf t- titles, any any obscure sport. I mean, I'm not saying the women's basketball game is obscure, but those other sports, I'd boast about it for sure. But I yeah, did want to talk about – yeah, I did want to talk about your future, though. Uh, so Danny Hurley, right? Wow. Another friend of the program, the Providence Criers, had some choice words for Danny Hurley in the past, and that obviously probably comes from him being a Big East rival. Another friend of the program, Justin Hasgard, jilted lover uh, mm. from Danny Hurley. And so he's got some choice words for him as well, your head coach. It's been a rough couple first years, but I think the, a lot of people can see that the program is trending upward. What is – tell me tell me your expectation for next year. And feel free to also take into account uh, – who is it? A cook, a cook is injured, right? But I think this is a big year for Hurley. What's your expectation for the team? So, um, uh, you know, if, if any of you guys are involved in UConn Twitter at all, uh, you know, first of all, God bless you. But second of all, they're, they're very excited for this upcoming year. And uh, I got to I got to temper my expectations a little bit more um, joining the Big East. I mean, these are these schools are the real deal. You know, Vill- Villanova, Xavier, Creighton, et cetera. It's it's a lot different from from the ACC that we've been or AAC that we've been used to for the past you know six years. So. Uh, that being said, Hurley has exceeded expectations in stores, uh, recruiting, coaching, getting to know the players, becoming like just a part of the brand, part of the program and embracing it. I mean, it's it's been um, it's been electric, honestly. The, the, the guy just lives and breathes UConn now and, and everyone loves him. And uh, you know, we're excited to see what he's able to do in the Big East. I mean, his, his recruiting speaks for itself this year. I think it's a it's a top 20 class coming in uh, nationally. And, you know, he already, he already recruited, uh, you know, some of our, our younger, you know, sophomore and freshman, like, like book night and Jalen Gaffney. So, you know, this is, he, he's definitely putting the, the pedal to the metal and we'll see what happens. I want to follow up on that. You mentioned that he's becoming a part of the brand at UConn basketball, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he hasn't caught a recruiting violation just yet, right? So how can he probably be a part of the brand if he hasn't been caught cheating? Like his two predecessors. Thank you. Yeah, that's real good. Good job. Thank you. Also, I noticed you didn't mention Providence when you were going through your listing of the Big East teams. Uh, you want to be careful. Uh, a lot of hyenas out there are willing to pounce on this interview. So do you even consider them a threat as you enter the Big East, or are you more concerned with the Creightons, as you mentioned? Uh, you know, Providence, <laughs> we sort of uh, – they're, they're the baby brother. At least that's how we've looked at them in the past. And, you know, they're a middling Big East squad, and they might give us some tough games at the dunk, but I, I, I don't see them as a major problem. I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about Twitters, right? School Twitters, the most toxic is PC Twitter. Uh, I, I've I've seen, I've heard. I haven't you know dove into the mud just yet, but we'll see when the season starts. Fingers crossed that uh, you know I'll get in there. Yeah. So we also listed who we thought the best player in program history was for each team, and also a fan favorite. We landed on Emeka Okafor as the best player in UConn's history and Kemba as the fan favorite. Where do you align on those two categories? 
So when you say best player in, in the program, is that in college or, you know, what they've been able to do in the pros? So we actually all had a little bit of different criteria. I actually tried to balance both college and high school or excuse me, college and the pros. I right. think a lot, a lot of players though have come out of nowhere and been great in the pros. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they were anything in college or delivered for you in college. So I guess I would say, I would lean more towards what they did in college. Yeah, I went almost mostly college, like if they won a player of the year award or whatever. Well, um, so it's, yeah, that was well, just me. Yeah, that would be that would be Okafor, which is which is totally a, a you know a, a solid nomination as player of the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, just just my my recency bias and and being in school with Kemba, I mean, and that all happening in 2011, it's hard not to give him the nod, especially watching him right now on the Celtics. Uh, you know, be our dude. So, yeah. How, how fucking nice is is it for you as a you know your college team and also your pro team? You get to see that same crossover step back at the free throw line, and, and it goes thing. in every single time. It's a beautiful thing, Sue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't beat it. Imagine your favorite player for Arizona. You know, come playing. Just it's, stop. It's, it's Just amazing. stop. Don't torture us like this. Please. Well, it's not okay. even that. Just don't be far fetched. Don't be far fetched. <laughs> Right. So uh, uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of Kemba though, it it may have not been your favorite moment at the time, but now retroactively, is his crossover against Pitt like your most memorable moment of him, just because of what it led to, or is is, is just winning the national title that year your the kind of the biggest moment? Uh, obviously, I mean, of, no, the, of your, of your back, UConn fandom. That stands out. I mean, I remember just where I was and and what I was doing and losing my absolute mind when that happened. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the, the top peak moments for me in college. Um, yeah, bar none. Well, and we've talked, we've talked about this. Sorry, Sue, but we've talked about this before this, that was only in the quarterfinals of the of biggest the, tournament, of the biggest tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause I think everyone looks back at that and goes, Oh, that's like to win the tournament. It's like, no, they still had to play like 12 might, hours later. Again. Actually. Not, it might've been the semifinals. But either way, yeah, definitely wasn't a wasn't a you know a clinching game by any standpoint. I thought it was. I like I always think about that and actually perfect as yes, Kemba just hits a corner three for the Celtics. There we um, go. Take us through the night that Monday night when you won the title in 2011. 2011. So, um, oh man. So if any of you guys, I know some of you guys have have you know done a few nights in stores and seen it. Uh, so it it was. It was, it was wild, man. Like just from what I recall, there were, there were couches being thrown out of windows. There were dumpsters being set on fire. There were people streaking, uh, up and down. Like, it, it, I mean, it was just absolute mayhem. Uh, you know, one of the greatest nights I will say that in my wedding night will probably be, be right up there. It's top two. That was a good night. The wedding night. I can't speak to the 11, but wedding night was good. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, so another criteria that a piece of criteria that goes into these rankings, Moyne, is home court advantage. Now you're one of those schools that does have two arenas that you call home, right? You have Gamble and also the XL Center. Which one's better? I have, I think I have a, a an idea of which one is a better game to take in or a better venue to take in a game. Which one did you like the most, and why? So uh, obviously Gamble being on campus uh, and, and them having, you know, they, they usually took the top uh, non-conference games and, and usually some of the pretty good conference games as well. 
Um, even though it was a lot smaller venue, it was tight. It was, you were, you were close to the floor. It was incredible an experience unlike any other. And, and, you know, they would, you, you, kids would camp out overnight. Um, there eventually, like when I was a junior and senior, they did a lottery, um, just cause there were, there was, it was too much to deal with. And that's, you know, Gamble wins hands down. I mean, the Excel in Hartford is like 20, 30 minutes away from campus. Um, you know, it kind of has the feel of like a larger arena. You don't really get the, the, the college basketball vibe, you know, that that's so important. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you could, if you could catch a game in Gamble, it's, it's, it's incredible. So this might be like an obvious question or maybe a dumb question, but do they just bus the students from campus to Excel? Yeah. They, so they have buses or like, you know, underclassmen or anyone who doesn't have a, a car on campus. And then, yeah, most, most kids just carpool and, and tailgate. And yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm not, I'm not disparaging. Right. So I was, I was going to say, cause then that's what I was going to ask is were you ever disappointed when a game was at Excel that you had to go and then come back? No, the the only thing was it was a guarantee you could go. Whereas uh, at Gamble, like at, like with the lottery, right? Uh, you know, you had to, you had to either like find a ticket or get lucky, or you know, aren't guaranteed. But the one the one game I did I, that stands out is, um, you know, I, I had graduated, but uh, Shabazz Napier hitting a game winning shot against Texas uh, in December, the year they won in twenty fourteen. Um, so I, I, I had gone to that game at Campbell. It was pretty incredible. Didn't uh, he just run straight off the court after that? Yeah. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just, right, he just, he just booked he it. Right. Shot on like a putback, got the rebound, hit the shot with the buzzer going off and then just booked it out of there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Moyne, I'll let you go on this. We've touched on it just a little bit, but just how excited and happy are you that you're finally back in the Big East? Obviously, you follow this team through college and after graduation, but it just didn't feel the same when they were in the AAC. Does it now feel like the magic of UConn is back because, or is it in large part because you're back in the Big East? Oh, we're back, baby. We're, we're back. I mean, re- recruiting's coming along. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, we're, we're I'm excited. I, I think... Um, you know, <laughs> I've been on a hiatus for the past five years. We'll, we'll call it that. And, you know, it's been tough being in the AAC. Um, if you Google AAC conference basketball, Google tells you, did you mean ACC conference basketball? So that's, you know, that's kind of what I've been dealing with. And uh, just being back in, you know, where we belong and feels, I got to tell you, it feels good. Can we finish, can yeah, we finish uh, on, on this one point and then Soup cut the interview after this? I'm going to ask you to describe the AAC in two words, in two words that Stan and Dershke, you know exactly what I'm talking about here, and I, here, and I want you to give it to me. How would you describe the AAC if you were Stan and Dershke in reference to, say, a honeymoon? Just terrible. Thank you, Moin. Appreciate it, Moin. Anytime, boys. <laughs> All right, we want to thank Andrew again for uh, hopping on and discussing his time at UConn. And, what an uh, interview! What an interview! What 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 a listen that guy is, huh? He's something. I mean, he's 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 the fish. That, that's the aptly named fish for the amount of, of alcohol that he drinks. But uh, yeah, Moynihan, we want to thank him for hopping on. Let's continue onward here. At number eight out of the Big Ten, it's the Michigan State Spartans. Two national titles, 10 Final Fours, 16 conference titles, 14 Elite Eights, 20 Sweet 16s, 
and 33 NCAA tournament appearances for Sparty. These guys in Izzo are the perfect a perfect example of why getting to a final four is so crucial for legacy, uh, not titles or anything. I'm just talking because I mean, Izzo only has one, but they have been to what seems like a million final fours uh, since, since 2000. It feels like damn near every year, uh, each four year player, anyone that stays four years, there has a shot, a legitimate shot in one of those years at getting to a final four. But see, nobody ever really thinks that Michigan state underachieves because of the amount of final fours that they have, you think of a guy, you think of a, a program like Arizona, they're they're great during the regular season, but they just don't have the final fours, and that's why everyone thinks they underachieve. Which, of course, they do. Michigan State, on the other hand, they only have one national title, but just so many final fours and epic runs throughout. Or excuse me, two national titles. Thank you, uh, Magic Johnson. But I mean, you think about some of the teams that they've had in the past and some of the improbable Final Four runs. And there was always that joke of January, February, Izzo, April, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's 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 kind of interesting to look at them in that lens because of the amount of Final Fours that they have. Uh, Shark, what are your thoughts on, on the Spartans? I used to be, I'd like to think, I used to have kind of a shallow take surrounding them because because of exactly the point you were making, how they uh, they haven't you know cashed in. They, they have the one title under Izzo. Um, and I used to think that, you know, you only got one ring. I mean, what, what's wrong with you? But as I've aged, uh, I've gotten more, more mature. As you can see, as I'm showing you on the screen, I read the Washington Post in print. I've come to understand that Final Fours are a big fucking deal. And the fact that Tom Izzo was able to hit Eight since 1999 for the most part when he was coaching the entire time i think he started back in 96 that that is incredible i mean he can't get it done once he brings his team on the road into some big city playing an arena maybe he's got to get you know practice in arenas a little bit more to get used to the backdrop of the hoop right there but that is an incredible fact to be able to do that with I mean, look, some of those teams that he's had were not very good, and he gets there anyways. And likewise, sometimes when the teams are really good, I remember that Denzel Valentine team a few years ago when they lost to the 15th seed. Uh, like, it all it all evens out somehow. Izzo really is an outstanding coach, and it's just a matter of time before he cashes in. It could have happened this year. This could have been the team for him to do it with the senior regarding Cassius Winston, but, you know, we'll never know. So, obviously, they have great players like, Ma- uh, you know, Magic Johnson is obviously the, the best one to come out of there. Um, but just vintage Michigan State tough-as-nail guards, you know, Kalen Lucas, Drew Neitzel, all those guys that you would remember. Um, really, really impressive program, great resume. The only thing that's missing for them are those are those ranks. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that number two-seeded Michigan State Denzel Valentine team that lost to Giddy Potts, and, uh, and anytime we can drop a Giddy Potts refi, it's a good good episode. But yeah, uh, because I know everyone and their mother had Michigan State, not only just to the Final Four, they had them winning the national title. They were a buzzsaw that year. And then, of course, the tournament happened. But you're right, because some of the teams that he's taken to to Final Fours you are kind of head-scratchers. Uh, I also think they've had some, some tough draws, too, right? So that national title game that they did play in, in their backyard of Detroit, they were playing against Carolina. And that, that team was just absolutely incredible. No one was going to beat them. I think that was a wire-to-wire finish. And then the final four that they got to two years ago now, who did they lose? Was that Texas Tech that they lost yep. to? 
They did. I might might put Chris Beard in that top five coaches, to be honest with you. But Taylor, let me let me get your thoughts on Michigan State. Yeah, at this point, um, like Shark said, admiring their consist- consistency is really uh, the best thing we can do. Um, right now, they've made 22 consecutive NCAA tournament tournament appearances, which is the third longest active streak and the fourth longest streak of all time. Uh, Kansas currently is the longest streak of all time, and it's currently going at 30. Michigan State's at 22. Uh, the only teams that are right there with them are Duke and Gonzaga. Even Villanova, who we just talked about, who right now is the most consistent program in college basketball, they've only made seven in a row. So that really tells you how um, how hard it is just to make the tournament consecutively in, o- across a decade, let alone make the Final Four at this point once every four years on average. Uh, that's just a, a crazy amount of consistency. It's, it, it is really uh, interesting to see where they are uh, in terms of like their national championships, uh, especially as we extrapolate out on the rest of the uh, you know, teams we have left here. Um, they're, yeah, they're a coin flip away from being in the top five in some of these, you know, in some of these national championship or in these final four games. It's really interesting that they always lose in the final four though. Yeah. So I want to jump in right there because um, sure. It may look like a coin flip away. Th- this is a fair criticism that we could have. This. Sure. No, I, his, I agree. Cause when he's in the final four, his teams suck. Like they get blown out. They, I, I, for the most part, they get blown out or they score 50 points. Like the Texas tech, Texas tech game, Last year, they only scored 51. Uh, going back to when they played Duke in 15, they only scored 61. They lost by 20. You go back even further, they played in the national championship game against Carolina. They lost by 17. Uh, give me, I'll go one more. Uh, Final four against North Carolina. Again, they lost by 16. Those are their last few appearances. At some point, you got to show up and perform in these games rather than accumulate Final Fours on your resume. Sure. Yeah, they're only three for 10 in getting to the national championship game when going to the final four, which I guess. Yeah, in 10 final four appearances, they've reached the national championship game three times. So they've won two of those, and then that Carolina game was the loss. Correct, yes. So, um, and I guess what I I should rephrase, final four games should be a coin flip, essentially, given the talent and the depth of the teams who get to the final four. Um, This team is, you know, again, probably the most consistent or one of the two or three most consistent programs in college basketball across the last couple of decades. That goes without saying. For Izzo to be, I guess, in the upper, upper, upper echelon of all-time coaches, he probably needs another ring just to get him there, uh, considering that someone like Jay Wright, who's been around a lot less time has multiple rings. So um, he's right there, though, and Michigan State's right there, and I you know, given that Izzo isn't isn't really that old, it's going to be up to him, to, depending on when he retires, if he wants to, you know, sail away or, or whatever. But I don't think he's ever going to take an NBA job, why? I don't, unless he feels like he needs to prove something else. And um, I know, was there retirement talk of him like maybe two years ago for some reason? But I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. I think the guy just loves coaching, and I can't see why Michigan State won't do anything but improve on their ranking on this list, but also stay consistent in making tournament every single year. Yeah. It, it, Tom Izzo is not going anywhere. He owns East Lansing. He's one of those guys that's probably going to be a lifer and can uh, leave however he wants. And I let's do not forget real quick. Let's not forget one of the best rider dies in all of college basketball. 
Lupe Izzo. Lupe always in the crowd, and Lupe's my girl. Go ahead, Shark. That's your girl. That's your wheelhouse. I, I, one of the points that uh, Taylor was bringing up, I think if you pulled the average college basketball fan and you said, give me Tom Izzo or Jay Wright, I think the majority of them would say Tom Izzo. And I would say, why not Jay Wright? Because there is this perception that Jay Wright couldn't get it done for a while. But Jay, I mean, can't you say the same thing about Izzo? Um, I, I think Jay Wright would be the coach that I would pick to start my team tomorrow if I had one. Um, I, I would also. Just, yeah, just the way their teams play too. Like Izzo, it kind of is a grind it out, beat the bag out of you for, you know, 40 minutes when you're playing against a Michigan State team. But I think Jay Wright wrongfully gets listed below Izzo and the resumes don't necessarily stack up. Yeah, I'd also say it's probably got to be tough being a Michigan State fan because they have a lot of regular seasons where they just don't look good. And so. You know, but you know that they're gonna. That was a little dog, little dog, dog noise in the back. How's Cashew? How's Cashew doing? Cashew nuts doing well. She's currently uh, eating a shirt, which is fine. That's her designated shirt. Well, you probably said Cassius Winston, and Cashew Winston would fit right there. So that's probably why she's squeaking away right there. Mm, That's a good point. She's got ears, good ears. But Michigan State fans, they just got to deal with shitty regular seasons, subpar regular seasons, bad performances. But then they just know. You know, once it's tournament time, we're probably going to make a pretty deep run. So, I mean, they sucked. They sucked for like a 10 game stretch this year, too. Yeah, they were terrible when they got their ass beat at home by Duke in what we thought was a pretty big game. Uh, I think they get smoked by Purdue this year, too. Yeah. I mean, Mackey Arena. That's, I mean, that's Naps Arena. Do you guys not remember like having this be a huge theme throughout this season? Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, I know. Okay. I picked, I picked Purdue to win the Big Ten. So that was all fucked up. So, yes, I remember. You guys guys gave up on Michigan State. I said they're going to make the Final Four. And then they started skyrocketing at the end of the year, like they always do. And you guys tried to, you know, bury your take in sand. And I didn't let it happen. Skyrocketing watts. They got to be quicker. They didn't make the final four, so I don't think we were wrong. Yeah. Tough fit. Michigan State best player. You had mentioned it, Shark. You're right. Magic Johnson, one of the greatest basketball players ever. And then fan favorite, Mateen Cleaves. Mateen Cleaves, and there's some rumors going on about Mateen Cleaves that we don't necessarily have to dive into, but he did get them their national title. Uh, what was that now? 99, 2000? Yeah, 2000. 2000. Yeah. So. That's Michigan State coming in at number eight. So you had mentioned that Michigan State was a point of contention with us. This next team was as well, uh, and we were on the opposite sides of the fence on this one. But at number seven, out of the ACC, it's Louisville. Three national titles, 10 Final Fours, 23 conference titles, 14 Elite Eights, 28 Sweet Sixteens, and a mind-blowing 43 NCAA tournament appearances for the Cardinals. These guys are interesting to me. Like I said, 43 tournament appearances is truly insane, uh, as is the 10 Final Fours. I mean, those numbers are monsters. I don't even think Kentucky fans might know that. Uh, but, I, you know, you always think of the Patino-led teams. They escaped pretty much unscathed from the quote-unquote bomb that was supposed to shatter the bedrock of college uh, basketball and nothing really happened. I mean, to an extent unscathed, Patino's gone, but... He's already back coaching a D1 school in Iona. Uh, and, the, you know, Louisville's back to being good again. They were really good last year. I think they held the number one overall spot for a couple of weeks. Jordan Nawara was a player. And then, you know, it might have, Patino might have already run his course there at Louisville. Uh, and they have a rising star in Chris Mack. 
So I would even go so far as to say that they probably had that one rough year with David Paget and or Scott Paget, one of the Pagets, I forget. Uh, but they have Chris Mack now, and Louisville's just back to being good again. But some of these numbers are just crazy, and it shouldn't really surprise us considering we are now in the top 10, and it's only going to get wilder as we get to the more iconic blue blood uh, schools. But I don't know if I thought Louisville had those types of numbers. 10 Final Fours is, is pretty wild, and 43 tournament appearances, insane. Shark, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals? You're missing a couple of the caveats. So when you look at the raw data and you see all these numbers, the fact that they have the 10 Final uh, the ten final Fours, all the Elite Eights, 28 Sweet Sixteens, you got to be able to tell the story of Louisville with talking about how dirty of a program they've been at various times. So they, they have a lot of suspended titles. Uh, I mean, what was that, 2013 with Hancock? Technically, that title was vacated, but we're accounted it for the purpose of this. But this program has been extremely, extremely good through its entirety of its lifetime. I mean, they've had elite Hall of Fame players come out of there, Wes Unsell to name one. But even if you go and pull like Purvis Ellison, when he was coming out, he was awesome at Louisville. And then one of my all-time favorite players in college basketball, Russ Smith, that little that little spark plug, spark plug of energy right there. That guy was an absolute scorer. That was a part of that team in 2013. It uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily you know deserve to not be remembered, but uh, we all take um, vacated seasons with a grain of salt. But that is relevant when we're comparing the resume of Louisville to someone like Michigan State or someone like Kansas or these other schools that are you know, within this bucket of teams that we're talking about. So it's a very um, combustible team to talk about. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is still not necessarily 100% resolved with some of the Patino allegations that came out towards the end of his tenure. Um, and who knows? But I, there's one thing that they do care about. It is basketball in that city, and they've done it for the entirety of their program. So there are two things that uh, stick out to me when we talk about Louisville. Uh, the first being that I, I think Danny Crum is probably the most undervalued head coach in college basketball history. I mean, he went to eight. How many Final Fours did he go to? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six Final Fours. Won two national championships across 30 years. Essentially built the whole program into what it is. But I think if you talk to like an average basketball fan, they don't have any idea who Denny Crumb is. Am I wrong in, in assuming that? No, I always feel like him and like lefty Drizel are, are the <laughs> two that just come to mind. I don't know why, but yeah, I, 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 I was going to bring up Denny Crumb. They've had a long list of really great coaches come through Louisville. And, and he was there for 30 years. Um, the, number two is that they have a strange conference affiliation history and that is that they the conference they belong to the most is the metro conference and that or for the longest i should say and that folded years ago in the, in the 80s i believe it was so or 94 is when that uh folded they were in the american athletic conference they were in the big east they were in conference usa they were in the missouri valley conference before um before even the metro conference so it's really quite a strange because it doesn't i don't i think you could tell me any conference like you say okay out of the acc louisville well that still that doesn't seem like it fits still even though they've been there for six years maybe we might think big east because that was kind of like 
our formative years, but even so, they were in Conference USA in the early 2000s. So I, that doesn't mean anything necessarily because obviously they have that actual tournament resume to back up the kind of strange conference affiliation they have. But out of all, any team on this list, not even just the high blue bud blue blood type programs they have the strangest history of conference affiliation luckily for them like i said doesn't really affect where we have them ranked on our list yeah i always like to think of louisville and the big east just because we've come to know all of these great teams and iconic moments from the big east tournament and i mean louisville has contributed to that certainly they were in the big east when they won the title right were they a big east team Ooh, that's a good one no i think they're acc no, they were Big East. They were that Big East the, then, right? That was the last year they were in the Big East before they went to the American, before they went to the ACC. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, even just in the last decade, they've been in three different conferences. Yeah. I, I I barely even – do I even remember the year that they were in the American mm-hmm. Athletic? I I don't Not even know. Really. It's just such a strange history over the last couple of years. My earliest memory of them was in the conference was Conference USA, I believe. And I think I could be wrong, but that crazy game against West Virginia in the tournament, uh, where I think it was like, what were they? Were they Conference USA with the likes of uh, was it who's the Samardo Samuels and um, who's Edgar Sosa? I, I've always. Yep. associate those guys with conference USA teams. But yeah, Louisville has had some, I, I love Louisville. I, I, I don't know why I, I, I just like rooting for them. Uh, I like both the Kentucky teams, actually both them and, and UK uh, because of how dominant they really have been. But uh, Louisville coming in at number seven on our rankings, last but not least for this episode at number six out of the <laughs> big 10, you could argue one of the greatest college basketball programs ever. It's the Indiana Hoosiers. Five national titles, eight Final Fours, 22 conference titles, 11 Elite Eights, 22 Sweet Sixteens, and 39 NCAA tournament appearances. There's Cashew again uh, for for the Hoosiers. So from a purity perspective, I'm not sure it gets better in college hoops than Indiana. I really don't. In in a basketball-crazy state, rich with talent, uh, they also have an incredible venue. I mean, Assembly Hall is is a place that I want to go to one of these days for a game if we are ever allowed to gather again. But it's one of the best in the country. Uh, And I always have to reference the Dan Shulman call of Christian Watford hitting the game-winning shot in 2011 over the Anthony Davis Kentucky team. Uh, One of the best calls ever. But, you know, Indiana just also great warm-ups. Don't forget about those warm-ups. And you obviously have to shoehorn Bobby Knight in there. Uh, the general, right? How great uh, of, a, of a ride he had at IU. Indiana coming in there at number six. Just, I mean, when you think pure basketball, you think of the Indiana Hoosiers in the state of Indiana, really. Isn't that right, Shark? Yeah, I guess. But talk about just a program falling off a cliff. I mean, they, they have not made an Elite Eight since 2002. Now, granted, that was the year when they went to the finals and lost, but to, to put the greatness of Indiana in perspective and understand how they're still ranked number five, imagine if Duke, the program, as we all knew that we grew up with right now, just decided for that the next 20 years, they were going to make one elite eight out of everything. That is what Indiana is right now. They're still ranked number five. If they Duke took 20 years off. From here on out, they had a random cup of coffee run. They would still be where Indiana is. Their, their programs 
you know, when you look at the the stats and the numbers are very comparable. I mean, you got these same amount of titles. Uh, Duke has made more Final Fours because they've been good longer, but the, everything is the same. The same amount of conference t- championships, uh, very similar amount of time NCAA tournament appearances. I mean, they're all right there. It's just a matter of Indiana being absolute trash and garbage since Jared Jeffries put the uniform on. And it's not it's not as if they didn't have opportunities. Like Indiana was the one seed when they had Old Depot and Tom Crean. They've had chances to be good. They just haven't been. And I think it's probably because of this built-in pressure that the old hacks over there, like Dan Dockich, put on the on the kids when they show up, or when someone that's a five star and the the god of Indiana basketball, like Romeo Langford, shows up and he gets these standards imposed on him, where he has to be, you know, Isaiah Thomas or something. And that's way too much pressure for someone. Uh, and it, the school, I mean, Archie Miller, who would have thought that he would be floundering there? He, I mean, he was an outstanding coach at Dayton that everybody wanted. And right now he seems like he's completely lost and overwhelmed. So this program, you know, it's, it's crazy expectations built into the fan base. It's kind of a dying brand. I'm a, I'm a, kind of like the Washington football team at this stage. They were good in the eighties or good in the early nineties or good in the seventies. They won the super bowl three times. And right now, if you were to ask an 18 year old kid about the Washington football team, they would think they're their trash program. No one's going to really think Indiana is a good program at this stage. Yeah. You brought up exactly what my points are going to be. And that is, you know, no team has fallen on this list, you know, or will fall on this list harder than uh, Indiana over the next decade. If they don't uh, turn some thing around, some things around Uh, my comparison, I guess, if we're making analogies is maybe like Nebraska football where, uh, or maybe even the U at this point, because the U hasn't been shit in like 20 years already. And Subi and I have gotten into many uh, argument about that over a Coors Light or three over the years, but it's it is you're exactly correct with it the standard that is set by the people before them and they the fans still expect every single year to have that same exact outcome and really they're kind of like at this point almost like a UCLA light whereas they didn't have like the super run of championships but they were that good in that in the 70s and 80s and they had one off year or one good year since the, since about that time. And then that's about it. UCLA has had better years than, than Indiana has over the last 20 years. That's for sure. But that's kind of a, a, where it shows uh, in our rankings. And that is that if they would have kept going and had almost the success, if they would have had the success over the last 20 years of any of the last 15 teams we've talked about, they're probably h- even higher on this list. Um, and I guess what the fans will have to uh, figure out and what people like us college basketball, basketball prognosticators, let's call us is what, what is Indiana as a program? Are they fun to talk about as in years past and that's it? Or are they going to, are they going to continue to be or become again, a viable top level basketball program? I think rock bottom recently for Indiana was that loss to Indiana state Fort Wayne the Mastodons. I just remember watching that in my room and just appalled that a team like the Indiana Hoosiers were losing basically a bye game. And then uh, I would also like to say great points that you guys brought up about the fan base and the alums and probably the boosters, the way I see those interactions, I guess you remember the Marshall Henderson interaction with the Auburn fan where he goes over and like starts going crazy with his Jersey. And this old man just stands up and stares him down. That's kind of how I feel 
when or I feel like that's how Indiana fans are when like any of their players miss a layup or you know if Romeo Langford misses a shot it's just some old crotchety white guy with gray hair just staring him down right saying to himself Bob Knight Bob Knight led teams wouldn't do that um but yeah, you think about Indiana and how far they've really fallen. There's always just so much hope for them. And they, I mean, the, the fans deserved better. They're a fan base that hasn't fallen off. UCLA, you had mentioned them. Polly Pavilion gets empty as fuck. Uh, with the exception oh, of Toronto. Yeah. They're terrible. Indiana's there every single day packing that gym, which, I mean, it's it's a pretty small arena, but I mean, their, their fan base cannot be, cannot be questioned at all. So. Well, it- I got We got to throw out Logue right here too, because Logue is someone that is a fan of Indiana basketball and a fan of Tennessee football, which is the exact same kind of team that we're talking about right here. And it's just so many people that live in the past. So if you can, if we can splice in um, the scene and along came Pauly when Irving Pfeffer approaches Sandy Lyle and tells him it's always the same with you, pal. It's always the same story with you, huh, pal? You did this one movie a hundred years ago. From then on, you thought you were better than everybody else. Why don't you let go? Move on with your life. It's not about what happened in the past or what you think might happen in the future. It's about the ride, for Christ's sake. There's no point going through all this crap if you're not going to enjoy the ride. And you know what? When you least expect it, something great might come along. Something better than you even planned for. You were funny as hell playing those bagpipes, though. Did I ever tell you that? I don't think I've ever heard you speak before, Mr. Pfeffer. Um, move on with your life. Can we? Can we do that? Is that too much for you? I, I've been testing you over these over these weeks. I just think the past five episodes, you have a streak now of just telling me to splice things in in the live show. That's a good could- splice, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm just saying that could have, for the seamlessness of the show, you could have just texted that to me or. Well, I mean, this is told it to me. I just, it just hit me right now. This is genuine interaction, genuine conversation. Look, anytime I can drop Lupe Izzo and uh, also an along came Polly Refi, I'll do it. So, yeah, let me see if I can get Irving Pfeffer in here because, yeah, he's like, like Ruben after <laughs> Ruben after that play is, or no, sorry, Lyle. Sandy Lyle after that play is Jesus Christ superstar. Yes. But he's also Tennessee football and Indiana basketball personified. We could probably meme that a little. This could be a growing meme as we're, we're workshopping this uh, where I don't know. I, I don't want to keep workshopping it. I've entered the workshop for this particular piece um, and I'm going to start chopping some wood related to it and I'll get back to you. So Sorry to direct you guys away from this for a second. So I, I, I don't think there's anything maybe more uh, as an apt um, kind of happening for Indiana basketball than uh, and kind of their state that they're in now. Is the, Do you remember when uh, Assembly Hall started to fall apart a couple of years ago? Like a like a, a like a of, like a beam fell and they had to cancel the yeah. game. Yeah, and there's then, a lot of parallels, by the way, between UCLA and Indiana. Now that I'm starting to, that's what I'm saying. This. Yeah, right. And Probably then uh, flooded. And then they also uh, they also it's not just Assembly Hall anymore. They actually renamed it in 2015. It's to the what? It's the Cindy Simon S K J O D T. However you say that. No. Scott. Uh, it's Cindy Simon Scott Assembly Hall. 
I won't be calling sellouts. That. That's no, sellouts. that's what I'm saying. I think that's I think they I think they took it too far. They went that far that we had to change everything up and in reality they took it too far when when Assembly Hall started to fall apart. Also, Subi, let me ask you this question. Did you describe Assembly Hall as a smaller arena earlier? Is it not? I thought it, it was. It's huge. It's seventeen thousand plus people. Oh, well, I was wrong. It looks small. Polly is tiny. Polly's like eleven thousand, twelve thousand. Well, right. You know what then? That's a testament to Indiana crowds because they make it seem like it's such a small confined state right. i don't know i always thought for some reason it was on the same well, level as a cameron ju- well no you just can't see because it goes it's such like a saddle shape it goes up i mean on tv you can't see like five thousand people because it goes so far up see but. that's why we got taylor though and in, in, in the in the conception of this show we said we're not the stats guys we're, we're just going to go off the cuff uh so maybe that's just a lack of historical knowledge about where indiana <laughs> plays basketball but thank you, Taylor, for for checking me on that. But yeah, <laughs> IU coming in there at number six. Uh, let's go ahead and round it out now with some segments. Shark, let's get to you. Your first four or last four in, first four out. Yes, sir. Last so last Friday, last four in for the past week. The first team in is fall weather. Unbelievable weather. Got to love it post-Labor Day weekend when it's finally just a little bit of tinge of crispness right there. That's in. That's in the tournament. Long sleeves and shorts type of weather. I mean, I cannot cannot wait to take advantage of that. Maybe a vest, too. No, I I prefer the uh, sleeveless sweatshirts. I've really gotten into that over the past (laughs) few years. Um, you know, even in Arizona, I did just buy a new vest this week in preparation. We're going to get that later than you guys, but just knowing that you guys are getting that fall weather, I am, you know, in step with you guys. Yeah, man, that's vest weather. I can smell it. The rocks sniffing. Ooh, nice. Next one, the red zone countdown before 1 p.m. When you watch that final 30 seconds, you just sit there and watch it as a countdown. Love that. That's it. After that, I have beach cigars. I was on a beach this past weekend on the Atlantic coast, sat there, lit up a few cigars. Great time to have a cigar. The final one is the song and Sue. This was an inspiration from you. I was thinking the same thing after watching hard knocks last week with Anthony Lynn, who, by the way, great leader, love Anthony Lynn. The song rise up in any emotional montage. I think we first saw it on Stuart Scott's ESPYs uh, award speech when they played that ripped you to tears right there but you could put it anywhere if you really wanted to they do it in the mlb playoffs for people standing up for cancer they did it with that phenomenal stuff right there and sub i would recommend that you play us off on this episode with some rise up hug for andre day for for creating that incredible song i love that song so much if you don't get moved to tears hearing rise up you're not human You, you don't you don't have a pulse all right, first four out. These are out. They're not making the tournament at this point. First one is losing with 0.5 seconds left in a crucial game. This is a little dated content at this point, but uh, Subi and I are Celtics fans, and pretty much all of the single events that needed to happen for the Raptors to get a shot off in game three happened, and OG on an OB hit a three with 0.5 seconds left. Courtesy of a Hoosier alum. That's right. Good pull. 
good connection right there. The next one that is on the first four out is a sunburn on day one. Now, this did not happen to me when I was on the beach having a beach cigar. It did happen to someone, and I felt their pain because I've been there before. You cannot get a sunburn on day one because you can try to play hurt, but, I mean, at that point, like, you're taking yourself out of the game. You can't keep working on the tan. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad was this burn? I don't know. I mean, it was a burn. I, I didn't, like, sit down and have a deposition with the person. It's a sunburn. All right. Anyways, next one. Uh, the next thing on the first four out is a weak foul call in a crucial moment. Um, also dated content for right now. We might want to think about this the next time we make a segment out of this. Uh, but the weak foul calls that happen with Giannis, who well, I have- we, we, we know he's been great enough. Now, first of all, the, the whole point of this is that this is all like consistent Bad stuff. doesn't have to be dated. Weak foul calls and bad moments suck, suck regardless. Also, have some respect for the two-time MVP, probable two-time MVP. We know, we know him at this point. What's his, pronounce his name? Giannis. Giannis. Make a finals. In the, Actually, in the Spe- I could go, I can go Spiro Didi's on you and go Giannis. He's, he's yeah. like the, it's like Roxy Bernstein saying Hawaii. <laughs> Whatever. He is, I, I tweeted this out after their loss in game three on, I believe it was Friday night, but he is going to be borderline one of the most overrated players to ever play the game. He stuffs the stat sheet in the regular season, but he legitimately has no skill. Like if you can't make crucial free throws, he almost airballed the free throw in a crucial moment. I mean, come on. He did air, he did airball he, a free throw in this series. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he... In his defense, the whole point, the first four hours, a weak foul call, the foul call that they gave on Jimmy Butler on that fadeaway, it was just preposterous, all right? Let's let these guys settle it on the court. But that's out. We can get into Giannis. Giannis, I said it right for you right there, Father. Giannis at a different time. The final thing on the first four out is forgetting headphones. Just terrible. Just a brutal feeling. You got, especially on airplanes, if you got nothing to plug in and watch one of the things, or if you're going for a run and you got nothing to listen to, no podcast to get yourself fired up, what do you do? Or if you're walking to work and you don't want to be stuck having to interact with people, panhandling, what do you do in that scenario? Tough. ATD, attention to detail, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. That's what we always say here. So those are, those are good. Um, all right, let's finish it off now then with hugs. Taylor, obviously, Lute Olson passing away. John Thompson passing away. This is actually a little dated content, but still bears repeating. We wouldn't be a college basketball uh, show if we didn't touch on this at all. Uh, so, yeah, Lute Olson, John Thompson, two titans of the game, legends. Just quickly your thoughts, uh, especially on Lute. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate um, because we really could have done an entire segment on each of these guys individually um, and for what they meant to college basketball, uh, what they meant to their programs. Um, Obviously, John Thompson had an incredible impact on uh, just the Washington, D.C. community. Um, And he was Georgetown basketball. Uh, Lute Olson built Arizona into a power and had an incredible impact. impact on uh west coast basketball and in a way um and there's a, a couple deep dive articles you could go into about uh lute olson p- potentially saving the, the conference uh that is that was the pac-10 uh after ucla's decline in the mid 80s or early 80s there uh it is a testament to how 
uh, impressive of human beings John Thompson and Lute Olson were in that uh, there is not a single player that ever played for them that didn't come out and say something uh, last week about their passings and the impact they made in their lives. Uh, most notably, Allen Iverson um, is thanking John Thompson for saving his life when he uh, recruited him to Georgetown. And really, you know, I guess not to be too deep here uh, on this somber topic, but uh, we get into so many arguments people do about sports and the money behind sports. And who are these guys professionals? Are they athletes? Should they be paid? Uh, whatever. All, all the controversial stuff that goes into it. What people like John Thompson and Lute Olson remind us is how important sports are for uh, peoples of all walks of life, especially when they get to learn and participate uh, under great leaders like those two. So uh, that's Lute Olson, John Thompson, really uh you know, it's an unfortunate thing because, you know, these things are going to come for all of us in, in life. And it's unfortunate that for those two guys uh, and for all of the college basketball world, it happened within just days of each other. Yeah. Father figures. And I think what was especially tough is just on top of how shitty this year has really been. These were just gut punches, head body, head body consecutively. Right. I, I don't even know the, the order of it, but loot uh, Chadwick Bozeman, John Thompson, Cliff Robinson, Four, four guys that were three of them obviously very heavily involved with the with basketball. Chadwick, obviously, uh, an actor, but I, I think that was just four days straight. Shark, do you have any closing thoughts on John Thompson, especially as our DMV guy? I think Taylor summarized it perfectly, and I echo everything that he articulated. He was definitely an icon in the in the area, and you know we talked about Rise Up a little bit right there. I could think of no better time to throw on some Rise Up right now to play us off, Father. You could, but I'm going to spoil that real quick by also giving a quick happy hug to Marshall Henderson. Our boy yeah. is back. Um, he is a grad assistant for Ole Miss, and I just completely spoiled that. Oh, my God. I can't think of a worse way to spoil. Like a, We were picking up momentum. Taylor with a, a beautiful eulogy, and then it was almost like you were intentionally trying to come up with the worst person. Marshall Anderson. the energy out of the room right there. Like if we had played that right into Rise Up, the, the, the crowd would have been going nuts. Uh, Instead, you're like, let's bring up Marshall Henderson right now. <laughs> That's why we are who we are. And now we can still pick. How about this? Now this is this is a, a Marshall Henderson montage set to rise up. I actually like, like it. We rise up Henderson rather than the you know the people that passed away in memorial. That's what I'm saying. See, I'm yeah, with you. Just picture picture him. Throwing that ice across the across the arena with Andre in the background, him shoving it in that Auburn guy's face. Yeah, we can do that. So hug for hug for Marshall Henderson <laughs> um, on 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 getting back into the game. I'm glad I'm glad he's back. And uh, thank you again for listening. We are now, we're, boys. We've made it to the end. Basically, uh, we only have five more teams left to reveal. I think you guys can probably decipher which five. Uh, just the order now is 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 needs to be revealed. But we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. Move mountains. We gon' walk it out and move
And the silence is quiet And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move I won't dance Bring it to its feet Times again, and we'll rise. 